Well, as we open up the Word of God here today, and we come into Romans chapter 10, we've got some very powerful verses here talking about what it means to be found righteous only in Christ. When you come into Romans chapter 10, we have a lot of things that are being said here, and I pray that you will listen and won't be distracted by all the distractions that seem to be in this building. But I pray that you will heed and hear the word of God because this may be your last chance to come to faith in Christ. Your life may be gone after this week. Who knows? God knows. But as a child of God, we want you to hear what the word of God says. We want you to understand what the word of God speaks. And as we come into this context, the Jews had refused to come to Christ for free salvation by faith alone. Many in every age do the same things in various ways. Some people say, well, I have to keep the strictness of the law. I have to do all these things that I've been told I have to do. But yet the truth of it is our need is Christ. Our salvation is Christ. Our eternal life is Christ. And one day if we are found in Christ, we will forever be with him in paradise and in the new earth. And so when you think about us showing men's need, it is vitally important that they understand opportunities that we have to share this gospel truth with people that are dead in their sins, vitally important. To us, we never get tired of the gospel. We never get tired of Christ. The unbeliever will get tired of Christ. The unbeliever will go his way and do his thing, have no need of Christ. But in the end, when he dies, he will wish he would have come to understand who Christ was. And so when we look at a few verses, like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that faith not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Can you imagine if it was left to us to make a decision for Christ, as some would say, and we have done this and we have done that, and surely we figured it out. The reality of it is, when God so moves upon a heart and changes a heart from the inside out, that is a work and power of the Holy Spirit. That is the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we think about the ceremonies that are shadowed forth about Christ fulfilling the righteousness, bearing the curse of the law. Remember that verse there in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13? Christ hath redeemed us. Now the us is a believer a believer in Christ and Christ alone. So when we look here, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. If we will ponder that just for a minute and realize that Christ became a curse for us. Christ bore our sin in full. Christ took the wrath of God that abided on us and drank it to the last drop. And so you and I are completely, 100% secure in Christ. But even under the law, all who are justified before God obtain the blessing by faith, whereby they are made partakers of a perfect righteousness, truly of a promised Redeemer. I mean, when you go back and read through the book of Isaiah, what do you find there? Many times God refers to himself as the Savior. Many times God refers to himself as the Redeemer. 
Many times we understand that Christ is God in the flesh, the incarnation of God. He is the God-man. He is exactly the salvation that God sent to redeem a people unto himself. There is no other name under heaven. There is no other holy way to get to heaven. Not all ways lead to God, as some would say. There's only one way, and it's very narrow. It's Christ and Christ alone. There's no other holy book, no other name under heaven whereby man must be saved. We know that to be true. Paul here, as you come into Romans chapter 10, verse 1, he wants to make us understand the aspect of a perfect righteousness. How we stand holy and undefined before a holy God based upon the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where even if I died today, I would forever be with him, not based upon my merit, but upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why does the Bible tell us to preach Christ? What is so significant about preaching Christ because there is salvation in no other name but Christ. And that's why we are called Christians. They were first called Christians at Antioch. That is what your Bibles say. The word Christian means a Christ-like one. That is what a Christian is. Unfortunately, we have many today that call themselves Christians that are nowhere even close to Christ, that have never come to an understanding of who he is. But let's look at Paul, look at his desire. The Bible says here, if we go into our text here at Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Brother, in my heart's desire, I want you to realize what he says here. First, he's addressing the brethren. My heart's desire and prayer, look at our word desire, look at our word prayer, to God for Israel is. I want you to notice here, Paul has a compassionate heart for Israel. I mean, you and I should have a compassionate heart for Jew or Gentile should make a difference which one it is. We should be out there proclaiming Christ and his righteousness for all that will believe. The Bible makes that very clear. So, brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I mean, Paul's calling as an apostle was to the Gentiles. Romans chapter 11, verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify my office. Where did he get such a calling? Well, when you look in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, the Bible says, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he, Paul, Saul at this time, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And that's exactly what Paul did. He did not diminish any of these. He went to God continually for Israel in prayer. Many of us have lost people that are dead in their sins that are part of our families people that we truly love and adore, people that we would miss if they were gone and they were not here anymore. But the reality of it is they need to come to Christ. They need to repent of their sins and believe upon the person of Christ. They need to come to that understanding. And we know that we are called to pray for the lost. Some people have this idea, let go and let God. That is nowhere to be found in the scripture. The Bible has told us over and over again that the means of bringing one to salvation is us telling people about Christ. We are to go forth and make disciples out of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When is the last time you told somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ and their desperate need of a Savior? Judge yourself. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11 that you have the capacity and the ability to judge yourself. Do you truly witness for the person of Christ? If somebody looked at your life, would they realize that you're a Christian, you're a little different than all the rest of the people that they know. There's something about you that's different. 
Maybe that's the new heart, the new creation, the new creature that the Bible speaks of. But Paul never stopped praying for all people. Look at what the Bible says here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, I exhort therefore, Paul speaking, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. How often do we pray for others? How often do we pray for the salvation of souls? I would love to see the Holy Spirit come through and so move upon us to bring us to a point of complete, total repentance of our repentance where we would see the wickedness of our sin and we would fall down on our faith and cry before God and say, God, forgive me for I'm a sinner. I have sinned against you, Lord. I mean, even as a child of God, the Bible says that our repentance wasn't a one-time repentance. Our repentance is an everyday repentance. Is it every day you go to the Lord and confess your sins? Or do you go at days or weeks or months without confessing your sins to the Lord? The Bible says, faithful is he who will confess our sins to him. He will forgive us. And when you look at the word of God here, Paul speaking, he says, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. When you think about Israel, he truly wanted his brethren to come in faith in Christ. He also said there would only be a few that would be saved. The Bible says that Paul said, according to the scripture, that only a remnant of Jews will be saved. And all according to election. That is what the Bible said. But Paul, he knew that he wanted all people to see Christ. And I believe that if you were around Paul, his conversation piece would be Jesus Christ. No matter what you started talking about, he would turn it around and come to Christ. You know, you really need a Savior. You really need to repent of your sins. This Christ whom I speak, he is the true God. He is the creator of all things. He is the sustainer of all life. We do not need a Green New Deal. God takes care of his creation. It's just fine without man's help. God does not need man to help him do anything. God has said what he said in his word. God brings all things to pass exactly like he says. So when you and I think about all these people that need to be saved, Paul understood that. He understood what he wrote there in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Or even as you remember the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 22, ye worship, ye know not what, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. That is what the word of God says. And so when we think about that, we have people today that are trying to establish their own righteousness. How do we know that? Because they're the same people that are trying to establish their own righteousness right here in the book of Romans or the book of Galatians. But let's come back into our text in verse 2. For I bear them record, Paul being the I, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. You have a lot of people that are quote-unquote Christians that have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you have a zeal for God, it should be according to knowledge. But Paul says here, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, demonstrated by legalistic conformity to the law. You have many people today that are legalists that say you have to do certain things and live certain ways in order to make sure you get to go to heaven. That is not true. That is not in the Bible. The Bible says repentance towards God, faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I can never establish our righteousness where God will accept it. We can never do enough good where God would say, you have done well, I will let you into my heaven. Absolutely not. That's not true. It's not in the Bible. 
It's never been in the Bible. We can go all the way back to the Old Testament, to the New Testament, the 2022. It's not in the Bible, but there are people that are trying to do the best they can and hope in the end God will accept them based upon their merit and their righteousness. But what does Paul say? For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. You have religious groups all over the place. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. What are they trying to do? Establish their own righteousness. Do things where God will surely accept them because you're part of our group or this group or that group. And because of that, we get to go to heaven. That is cultish. The Bible is very clear that that righteousness that we are seeking is not our own. It is Christ. Christ had fierce opposition from Judaizers. They were his opponents. They hated Christ. All we have to do is go to John 8, 44. Jesus looked at them and said, Ye are of your father the devil. And these were the Pharisees of the day. These were the legalists of the day. These are the ones that kept the law. They had over 600 laws that they wrote, and they couldn't even keep their own laws that they wrote, but they expected other people to keep their laws. And we see many accounts of that in the Gospels, but think about this. Again, verse 2 in Romans 10, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Acts chapter 26, verse 4, My manner of life was from my youth, Paul speaking, which at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most strictest sect of our religion, Paul says, I lived a Pharisee. I kept the law. I was a zealot for God. But he never knew God until Acts chapter 9 on the Damascus Road experience when God stepped into his life and God changed his life and God put him in the story of salvation. Amen. That we have the epistles that are written by Paul. All in God's eyes, all for God's purpose and all for God's glory. And Jesus told Paul, you're going to suffer many things for my namesake, Paul. You're going to have heartache. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be whooped. You're going to be shipwrecked. You're going to be slandered among the, your peers. And they're going to hate you, Paul. And Paul said, yea, Lord, I'll do it. All that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But look what Paul also said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13, dealing with the same aspect of pharisaical Judaism that said you have to add the law plus Christ. You have people today say, yes, I believe in Jesus, but you have to add the law. You have these things you must do or you won't be saved. You look at the Roman Catholic Church, they do the same thing. We trust Christ, but you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do all these things and then God will accept you. You are never accepted unless you're accepted in Christ. And if I'm accepted in Christ, I have nothing to fear, for he is God. Jesus Christ is God. And so when Paul says here in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion. Look at the word religion. We have all kinds of religious sects around here. They're all over the place. Have you ever talked to them about the things that truly matter to Christ? Have you ever witnessed to them the gospel, the true, pure, unadulterated word of God, the gospel, give them the good news? They will look at you and say, you are wrong. You don't look like us. You don't dress like us. You don't cut your hair. You don't wear the hat. You don't wear the clothes. You don't wear the right colors. Where in the Bible is that? It's not there. 
so they have a religion. No difference than you find here. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past. Remember the word conversation is my life in time past. That's what the word conversation means. He says, ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. I did it. One thing about Paul, he confessed his sin. Yes, Lord, I did it. Look what he says here. And profited in the Jews' religion. Oh, there we go. That's a good word to add in there. Profited in the Jews' religion above many of my equals of my own nation. Paul was a zealot for God, yet he didn't have understanding. He was deceived. And what does Paul say? He says, and profited in the Jews' religion above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Paul's telling us what it means to be a legalist. Paul's saying, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. He's talking to his pharisaical friends, I'm sure, and saying, listen to me, you have a zeal of God, but you don't know him. You say you know him, but you don't know him. You need his righteousness. And what did the Pharisees do to Paul? They hated Paul. They wanted nothing to do with Paul. They hated Paul because they hated Christ. And Jesus said, remember when men hate you, it's not you they hate, it's me. I'm the one they hate. It's not you. Don't take it personal. To stand for truth, Paul. And Paul definitely did that. When you think about that, he gave another illustration of that in Philippians chapter 3, verse 5. He says, circumcise the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. That's a good tribe. The tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews, that's touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, there's our word again, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So when we look at that verse again, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. We don't want to have a zeal of God. We want to have a zeal of God based upon the knowledge of the holy, based upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you come into verse 3, what does he say? For they, talking about his brothers, the Jews, look what he says, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. There are so many people that are ignorant of God's righteousness. And Paul makes it very clear because he says, for they be in ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness. That's why people say, listen to me, I do this, I come to Christ, I this, I that. Where in the scripture is that? No, God stepped into your life and God became real and Christ became very amazingly lovingly to you. And you love him. You know, one of the statements that was made in the Welsh revival in 1904 and 05, there was a young teenage girl, and all of a sudden she spoke up in the middle of this prayer meeting, and this is what she said. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And people broke after she said that in their hearts and wept before Christ. And many people were truly born again in the church that were not saved. All the seasons come and go, and yet they are not saved. That's what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 8. So when you look here, what I want you to see, where they be in ignorant of God's righteousness, so what do they do? They go about trying to establish their own righteousness. 
That's why when you talk about the legalist, what does the legalist do? Well, if you're going to be a Christian, here's the 10 things you need to do and 10 things you need to stay away from, and you keep all these, surely you're a good Christian. That's pure legalism. Men do it all the time. You have to do this and you have to do that. That is not what the Bible says. My faith is in Christ and Christ alone. That is where it's at. I mean, ignorant both of God's inherent righteousness. I mean, these are the people he's talking about. It's revealed in the law and the rest of the Old Testament, which be shown what? They should have seen it in the book of Isaiah for sure, that they don't have their own, their own righteousness. Their own righteousness is unrighteous. And when you look here, we realize that also the righteousness which comes from him on the basis of faith. Here's what Luther ran into. You know anything about the account of Luther, what happened to him as he was confessing so many sins all the time, the priest got tired of listening to him, decided to send him to Rome to train and teach and be one of their teachers there in Rome. And Luther went back and Luther decided to teach through the book of Romans, which was truly by God's hand. And he came upon this verse in Romans chapter 117 and it changed his life forever. He read here, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And Luther said, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's righteousness, what about mine? I'm working hard to have my righteousness. Luther kept reading that verse over and over again. Luther got into the languages, believe it or not. He read that verse over and over again. And then he realized, my goodness, the righteousness that I need does not come from me. It comes from God. Look what he says. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, Old Testament, the just shall live by faith. And we say to God be the glory. So here we have a bunch of people, ignorant of God's righteousness, trying to establish their own righteousness. That's why you have religious sects all around us here today that have a lot of formalism, a lot of this, a lot of that, yet they don't know Christ. And when you talk to them about Christ and you say, listen to me, my salvation is holy and completely 100% God. Because he stepped into my life and changed my life forever. He gave me a new heart. I have changed. I am a new person. That's what makes me different. I'm a new person. I don't love those things I once loved. I don't go in the places I once went. I am separated under the gospel of God. And that's what the book of Romans tells us. So what he says here, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness. Satan loves it when people try to establish their own righteousness. A good person. People are good people. There are people, whether they could be Mormons, whether they could be Amish, whether they could be German Baptists. We can give the list. That's fine. But listen to me. It is always only Christ. And their life changes. And we have playing churches. We have all kinds of interesting religious rites, but it means nothing because Christ is excluded. Although they will speak about Jesus, they will talk about Jesus, but it is a work salvation so many times. What does the Bible say? Again, back into verse 3. He says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, <coughs> have not 
submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You understand where Luther was at that point when he came to that understanding there in Romans 1.17. He realized that he'd been working so hard to for righteousness that he all of a sudden realized he couldn't attain it. He, he couldn't do it. Oh my goodness. There were times in his life where Luther said, I, I hate the righteousness of God. I can't obtain it. I have no ability. But God rich in mercy, for with his love wherein he loved us, changed his heart forever. So when you look here, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God, based upon their conformity, speaking of the Jew, to what? To God's law, often to less demanding standards of their own traditions. Sometimes you grow up in a church of many traditions. And when all of a sudden you hear Christ preach the way the Bible says, what do we find? Oh my goodness, Christ did. Where does that light bulb come from? God, Holy Spirit, regeneration. So when you look here, what does he say? Back into our text. They have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For how do we know it was Christ? Look what he says, verse 4. For Christ is... The end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So what does that mean? Christ fulfilled righteousness for us. That's what we talked about on Thursday night, talking about imputation, talking about propitiation, talking about reconciliation, talking about adoption, all these key words in the work of grace in our lives. We go through them, we see it, and what do we find? Christ fulfilled all righteousness for us. What did Christ do that we couldn't do? He lived the sinless life for us. Look at the Bible says. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. The Greek word that we find here, end, can mean either fulfillment or termination. Okay? That's where that word end, that's a, a little bit of a definition. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. This is not a reference to Christ having perfectly fulfilled the law through his teaching. Remember the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law Tell all be fulfilled what was spoken in the law and the prophets. Okay? So when you look here, it's not about him fulfilling the law through his teaching, neither is it 
just through his sinless life. Remember that verse there? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him God, God the Father hath made him Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's where our righteousness hinges, is in Christ. Instead, as the second half of the verse shows, again, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Paul means that belief in Christ as Lord and Savior. This ends the sinner's futile quest for righteousness. There was only one that could do it. Through his imperfect attempts as a sinner, attempts to save himself by obeying the law, Now, if you and I read through the book of Leviticus and we went through that whole book, could you obey that? Well, I couldn't. I couldn't even come close. Well, what does the Bible say? See, that's always a question. You know, people have a lot of things. People like to give a lot of opinions. People like to say this, like to say that. That's fine. Give me a chapter. Give me a verse. Let's go to the Word of God. What did God say? I don't care what man has to say. What does God say? And if God said it, I believe it. And really, God's word stands true whether we believe it or not. So look what the scripture says here. Romans chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. But we all know that verse. We've read it a thousand times or more. For by the law is the now look here, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. How do I know I'm a sinner? Because I read God's holy law and I see myself everywhere. I have sinned, I have sinned, I have sinned. Paul doesn't leave it there, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. The righteousness of God without the law. Look what he says there is manifested, made alive, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Remember Christ said, all the law and the prophets he fulfilled. Over 600 prophecies written about Christ over four or 5,000 years, and Christ fulfilled every one of those prophecies within 33 and a half years. Show me another holy book that comes close to that. Not even close. Look what he says. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, Unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So what do we find? We find a righteousness of God in Christ. So what do we find here? Another verse, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he, God, quickened, made alive, together with him, God, having forgiven you 
all trespasses. But he doesn't leave it there. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was, past tense, against us. Which was contrary to us. Christ took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Christ bore your sin on the cross. My present, my past, my present, and my future sin. There is not one sin that hasn't been paid for in Christ for every true born-again believer. We are forgiven based upon the righteousness of Christ. So look how Paul describes this. Come back into verse 5, into our text. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law. Okay? A righteous standing before God on the basis of obedience to the law. See, the Pharisees thought, I have been obedient to the law. I've sacrificed everything to be obedient to the law. I've done everything I was supposed to do. Surely he will accept me into his glory someday, as a Jew would say. Moses says, for Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law. I have to say, there is a righteousness which is of the law. And you have never fulfilled it. You were, born, you were conceived a sinner and you will die a sinner. How do we know that? Because the Bible says so. So look what he says here, back in verse 5. That the man which doeth those things, Paul speaking, shall live by them. You want to be a keeper of the law? Okay. You're going to keep it all and do it right? Okay. Well, this is quoted from Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5. Ye therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. Look what he says. If you keep the law of God from birth, you're good. You're in. You've done well. Remember James chapter 2, verse 10? He says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. You break the law in one spot, you are guilty before God. One spot, one little sin. That's what the Bible says. Then if you remember Deuteronomy 27, verse 26, the Bible says, Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. And all the people shall say, Amen. What do you find there, Deuteronomy 27, 26? This is absolutely 100% impossible. <coughs> we can never keep the law. Christ did. Cross. Christ is the end of the law for us. Christ is our righteousness. He's the banner of our hearts. He is all we need. I need nothing but Christ. Take all I have, but don't take my Christ. He's my eternal life. 
He's the love of my soul. But look what Paul says. He doesn't leave it there. When you come into verse 6, what does he say? But the righteousness which is of faith. Look what he says here. I want you to see that. People read these verses quite often, very quickly. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. The righteousness which is of faith, the righteousness speaketh on this wise? Yes. Look what it says. Say not in thy heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. What does he say again? Say not in thy heart. Paul speaks of the righteousness as based on faith alone, as if it were a person. <coughs> he puts it in the mouth in a quotation from the Old Testament. One thing you notice about Romans, Paul quotes a lot from the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 12. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? This is where he's quoting from. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over to the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? I mean, Paul's point that we find here, his point is that righteousness of faith does not require an impossible odyssey through the universe for somebody to go and find Christ. You ever think about that? <coughs> you didn't find God. Christ found you. Man is never the seeker. God's the seeker. The Bible says there are none that seek God. None. When you and I had a heart change and Christ became real to us, that was the Holy Spirit. That wasn't you. And you knew as well as I do, it is grace. It is grace. It is grace that I have seen the Christ, the Messiah. And so we can say, for by grace are we saved through faith, not of ourselves gift of God. Paul doesn't leave it there. Coming into our final verse here, verse 8. But what saith it? But what saith it? Back up. Or what's he say again? But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on the wise. But what saith it? Verse 8. The word is nigh thee. Again, we're quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. So the journey that we find there in verses 6 and 7 is absolutely unnecessary. Because God has clearly revealed the way of salvation. It is by faith. When you look at a verse like John chapter 3, verse 27, Jesus answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given to him from heaven. Matthew chapter 21, verse 25. Follow this with me for a moment. You may see something you haven't seen before. Look what it says. 
Jesus speaking, the baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? And they reasoned within themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But we shall say of men, and we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. Did my salvation come because I believed it? Or did it come because God stepped into my life and brought me into the story of salvation? Is it from God, from heaven, or is it from men? Your salvation is from God. That's important. But let's look at our verse here again. But what saith the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart? That is the word of faith which we preach. The message of faith is the way to God. Faith in who? Christ. Christ plus? No, Christ plus nothing. What does God's word say? This verse here in Isaiah chapter 57, verse 19. I create the fruit of the lips, God speaking. Peace, peace to him that is afar off, and to him that is near, saith the Lord. God says, I will heal him. Did God need the aid and assistance of men for him to heal? Absolutely not. Some people say, well, that person just didn't have enough faith. That's why they didn't get healed. That's not true. There are many people that were healed that never came to faith in Christ. Follow the Gospels. Read through the synoptics. See if I'm true or not. Absolutely. Jesus cleansed ten leopards and only one came back and gave glory to God. The other nine were just as healed physically as that one was. But there were one in the bunch that came and gave glory where it was due. Look at the Bible says here again, New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. This is what his call is to a preacher. To everyone that speaks God's word, teaches, missionaries. He says, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith. Remember the word of faith which we preach? And of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast obtained. That's what we do. So we want to do. And to us that have been born again, we are thankful. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says, Being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Isn't it amazing that the King James Bible, this Bible that we have, is the number one bestseller in books in the English language that still holds the crown? I mean, I don't know about you, but that's just the way it is. Now, I'm not going off in King James only onlyism. Not at all. But what I am saying is, God's word liveth and abideth forever, and never changes. God has spoken. And when I look at that verse there, in closing. 
1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Hundreds and hundreds of generations of people like you and I have come and died over all these years, and God's word is still God's word. You know that this same scripture was preached in 1,000 A.D., 500 A.D., 1950. God said, I, I don't need to rewrite my book. I've written what is written. And when you look at a verse like that, but the word of the Lord can do it forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. You know, you would think with all the things that we have today, all the technology at the click of a button, that we would be so profoundly, amazingly rock solid in Bible and doctrine. But you know, today, you don't find many like that. I look. I look for them with all the technology, with all the things that we have today. Praise God for all of it. But you would think that the church would be so rock solid in scripture that nothing could move us. But yet your average Christian has no idea what this book means. We don't want to be an average Christian. We want to love Christ. We want to be obedient. And we want to follow Jesus with all our hearts.